This is the Jail Ministry Podcast. The J-A-I-L, or Jesus Acts and Inmates Lives Ministry, is Christ-centered and provides programs focused on the prevention and intervention for the incarcerated. Jail Ministry also provides support to offenders, criminal justice professionals, victims, and their families. Thank you for your continued financial assistance. For more information, visit jailmen.org. Now, here's today's lesson. Hello and welcome to Jail Ministry. We are glad that you are here with us as we study God's Word, God's truth for our lives. If you don't have a Bible, I would encourage you to get your hands on a Bible um, because God has spoken to mankind and He has spoken to us through His Word. In the next two lessons, and I'm going to break this down, we are going to be studying what I call the I Am Statements made in the book of John. So we will not only be in the book of John, what we will also be in other Old Testament, New Testament passages. Now, one of the goals with jail ministry is we want you to be in God's word. And so we want you to be reading God's word for yourself. And we here want to help you in that study and that reading and that teaching of God's word. So I this is two of my favorite lessons, the I am statements. And in my Bible, and I do write in my Bible, some people don't like to, but I do. And there are different translations of the Bible. I am not a King James Version only. If you are, that's fine, but I can tell you there are other translations of the Bible. So keep this in mind. I would encourage you, though, to be reading the Word of God on your own so that we can help you in this. So we're going to be talking about the I Am statements. And when I started with this, it goes back to when Moses met with God and he was standing on holy ground. And Moses said to God, who do I tell them that you are? And God said, I am who I am. And I started realizing that there's a lot of I am meaning I am He, meaning Jesus is God, in the Scriptures. Because Jesus says in John 8, 24, I said to you then, if you believe not that I am He, you will die in your sins. For anyone to deny that Jesus is God in the flesh is to die in your sins and go to hell. There is no purgatory, there is heaven or hell. So we're all about truth here at Jail Ministry. I'm going to start today with three of the seven I am statements. So you might want to get a pen or a pencil and some paper and take down some notes if you're unable to keep up. I'm going to be throwing some scriptures at you and I won't be reading every single one of them. So I would encourage you to go back yourself and to study God's word and carefully go back to these scriptures. So in John's gospel, it contains seven I am statements which is very interesting. Their focus is on what happens after we become believers. Now, I tend to look at people in two different ways. You're either unsaved or you're saved. Either you do not have the righteousness of Christ Jesus the Messiah, or you do have the righteousness of Jesus Christ. People say, well, how do you know you're going to heaven? I'll go to heaven not because I'm a good person. I'm not. I can do good things, but because I have the righteousness of of Jesus and it is his righteousness that is imputed to me is given to me 
at this time and at my death. So keep this in mind. So these I am statements are primarily made to believers. So I realize that in our audience, we have unbelievers from around the world. But I also realize that there are many, many believers out there. So I hope this message will encourage you, whether you're a believer or not. The first statement is called the bread of life. And the first scripture we're going to go to is in John. So I would encourage you right now to go to the book of John. And we're going to go to John. Now there are four Gospels, if you're just starting to read the Bible. There are four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We call these the four Gospels. And we're going to be in the Gospel of John first in chapter 6. Now in the original text, these chapter headings were not in there and it was just kind of all strung together and it is helpful now that we have these chapter breaks and headings I think it is for many people so I'm going to read it to you John chapter 6 verse 35 and we're going to start there okay Jesus then Jesus declared I am the bread of life did you catch that there's I am I am the bread of life he who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. And that's John 6.35. Now, I want to read on from there, though, because he says, But I said to you that you have seen me, and yet you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will by no means cast out. Now, in this context, I want us to understand this. I am the bread of life. Because many, when they heard this statement, and he will say, unless you eat this bread and drink my blood, you're like, what? It's in this context. And they left him. This has spiritual language to it. Spiritual life, actually, to it. Now, Jesus had just recently fed over 5,000 people. And incredibly, some were still asking for another miraculous sign. They were always asking for signs, signs all the time. To help them what? To help them to believe that he was who he claimed to be. They brought up what's called manna. Their forefathers, remember in the Old Testament had eaten in the wilderness. Now, God had given manna to the Hebrews, the Israelites, in the Old Testament. And it was to be their daily substance. And it was kind of like a, a wafer-thin, it's like bread, basically. And so, they brought up the manna that their forefathers had been given in the wilderness by God. And we see this, if you want to go back and read it, in Exodus chapter 16, verses 13 to 18. And that established the context for this statement, I am the bread of life. Now, of course, they're looking for more signs. Is, is he who he claims to be, the Messiah? I believe, along with many other people and many scholars, I believe that Jesus was saying that the manna was meant to be a model, a picture in the Old Testament towards Jesus, the Messiah. Because now we have it backed up with scripture in the New Testament. 
I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6, 11. Let's go there now. So Matthew chapter 6, if you just go back, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you go back to Matthew chapter 6, verse 11, we see what's called the model prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. We, this is a model prayer that when the disciples asked Jesus, teach us to pray, he taught them to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Now, is he just referencing food? No, I don't think so. I think he's speaking not only as food, manna, because manna was food for the body, but he's talking about daily bread for that spiritual life as well. We also see this in, I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. You might want to write it down if you can't go there right now. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 verses 23 and 24 and I'm going to read these for you and this is what we call the institution of the Lord's Supper some people call it communion and I'm going to read these verses he says for I re the Apostle Paul says this for I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the same night in which he was betrayed took bread Remember, Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So that we can understand that Jesus is the bread of life. Whoever partakes of him will never again spiritually be hungry. He will never again know spiritual hunger. And I remember this distinctly in my walk with the Lord, thinking back on that season of when I was saved. It was like I had come out of darkness into light, and Jesus says, I am the light. And I remember from that time forward, I would crave God's word, but there was no longer that emptiness, that void, that hole in my heart. He had given me daily, and he continues to give me daily bread in my life. Jesus, in Jesus, our spiritual hunger is finally satisfied. And our spiritual thirst is quenched as well. Once we have received the Holy Spirit, who is God... Our search for spiritual fulfillment, fulfillment comes to an end. And we never need any other substance. Think about that for a moment. If you are living in sin, maybe you're living in sin and your idol is drugs or sex, whatever it may be. Once you're born again and Christ comes to dwell with you, He becomes your sustenance. Those all, you no longer need those idols. And that is in Christ. So the first one, the I am statement in John is I am the bread of life. The next one that I want to talk about is Jesus says he is the gate. 
You know, we hear this term and we're like, gate, what does that, that mean that he's a gate? I know what a gate is. I have two gates on either side of my house. I can unlock them or I can lock them. Okay? It says in John, I want you to go to John. Remember, these are the I am statements. Jesus says, I am the gate. So go to John chapter 10, verse 9. So John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John chapter 10, verse 9. And I'm going to read this to you. This is Jesus speaking. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. Did you catch that? Here's another one. Go to Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Matthew chapter 7 verse 13. Chapter 7, verse 13, and I'm going to read 13 and 14, so stay with me. It says, and the heading here is called the narrow way, a narrow way, and I love this passage. Jesus says, enter by the narrow gate. He's meaning himself, Christ. For wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there is many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate. And difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. Jesus is that narrow gate. An emphasis. Let me emphasize here. This is a reference, the gate, to the kingdom. And Jesus recalls the words of Psalm 23.2. I'm going to read this to you. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Hmm. What does he mean by that? Salvation is found through Jesus. He is the gate to the kingdom. And no one can enter except through him. Now, this became very, very clear to me. And, and I'd read a, a book about sheep. Um, but it really sunk in when I was in Israel. And we were out among the Bedouins and the people, and there were shepherds out there. And the shepherds usually do not hang with the city people. And there were three different shepherds, and there were a lot of sheep out there. And I thought it was really cool. I didn't grow up on a farm, and I like sheep, but I didn't realize how stupid and dumb sheep are. Um, when they have all of their wool around them and they go upside down, they can't right themselves. Um, they just have a very, very difficult time taking care of themselves. So I remember when, um, and they have what's called like a Boma area, and it has a gate. And at night, in kind of close to dusk, almost in the evening, to protect the sheep, the shepherd, one shepherd would call his sheep with a distinct noise, sound, whatever you want to call it, and those sheep who are his would perk up, <laughs> and then they would start running. But the other sheep didn't do that at all. Now the next shepherd would call his sheep, and the sheep would come in. And then when they're all within the boma, when they're all within the boma, then typically in the old days, the shepherds would lie down as a gate. Nowadays, they have a gate. So when Jesus is referring to he is the gate 
And that's typically how people go in and out of an area. Now he's referencing the gate to heaven. He says here in John 3, 3, salvation is found through Jesus. He is the gate. Having entered through him, we will have the freedom to come in and go as we please. Dwelling in a state of peace in the midst of plenty. So these sheep are allowed to go in and out of this area. Just like we are allowed to go in and out. We go into God's presence. We enter into God's presence in that throne room. So surely, it says in Psalm 23, Surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our life. And we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. We get a taste of this through him, the gate, here and now, today. So he says, I am the bread of life. He also says that I am the gate. So now we understand this. The third one that I want to talk about, and the last one in lesson one, Jesus says very importantly, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He also says, no man comes through the Father but through me. Either Jesus was lying or he was telling the truth. Absolutely, he was telling the truth. In John chapter 14, so go to John chapter 14, and we're going to go to verse um, 6. So John chapter 14, verse 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus was telling the truth. Other religions do not agree with this, and other religions contradict this. I know a lot of people don't like to name names. I like to name names. They will say, oh, he's the son of God. He's the son of man, but they will deny that Jesus is God in the flesh. Other religions are works-based. You've got to be a really, really, really good person in order to go to heaven. So in other words, it's Jesus plus what you do. Do you think that your good works will get you to heaven? Because if you do, you're trying to bribe God with your good works to go to heaven. That's like giving God a dollar to let you into heaven. It's not going to work. And it stinks, really. It's just not going to work. Sorry. So I want to go in depth with this a little bit more. Okay. So the first Christians, this is interesting, when I was doing my research, the first Christians were known as the Church of the Way. Interesting. Because Jesus says, I am the way. And they were called Christians in the first church in Antioch. Pilate, now this is interesting about the way because Jesus says he is the way. What do you mean? The way to what? Eternal life. The way to heaven. He's saying, I am the only way. There is no other way to heaven. Not through works, not through another religion that's workspace. That's what he's saying. He is the only way. Jesus also says, he's the truth. Well, what's truth? A lot of people question this when we're talking about the word of God. God's word is absolute truth for my life and your life. He is the truth. Pilate, when Jesus came before Pilate, 
before the crucifixion. Even Pilate, the leader, said, well, what is truth? He didn't know what truth was. I'm asking you, do you know this truth that can set you free forever? Set you free from all of your sins? Jesus is the truth. He's not only the way, but he is the truth. In John 8.31, I want you to go to John 8.31. So John chapter 8 verse 31. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, <clears throat> If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Meaning my word, if you abide in Christ, you are my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. What makes you free? The truth. Jesus. The gospel. The gospel is good news. He preached the good news. This is what we preach as well. He also says that he is the life. So we talked about the way, the truth, and the life. Now before I go on to the life, I want to state a little bit more about the truth. Because he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through him. Muhammad doesn't do it. Workspace religion doesn't do it. Your priest doesn't do it. They cannot give you eternal life. They can talk about truth, maybe. But it is the truth who is Christ who can set you free. And no one else. And there are multitudes, we realize, around the world that people can believe differently. But there are what's called essential doctrines in Christianity. That God is one. He's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He was born of woman. He suffered. He died on a cross. And three days later, He rose from the dead. This is truth. This is not myth. It's not a story. Jesus is real. And without Him and His righteousness is to die in your sins. There were two thieves on the cross who were crucified with Jesus. One went to hell and one went to heaven. It's an interesting that both of them had been hurling insults at Jesus. But one of them has a new heart, a change of heart when he says, do you not even fear God? We're getting what we deserve. For our deeds, we're getting. But this man has done nothing wrong. He says, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That's repentance and belief. He's a changed man. He has eternal life. Now he knows the truth. And it has set him free. Because Jesus said, today you'll be with me in paradise. So I want to talk about that life in Christ. Because he says he is the life I want you to go to John chapter 1. John chapter 1 is one of my favorite passages. And we're going to go to John chapter 1 verse 4. He says, <clears throat> John the Apostle. In him, meaning Christ, 
in him was life and the life was the light of men I'm going to read verse 5 as well and the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not comprehend it he says in him was life now go to John chapter 5 John chapter 5 verse 21 I'm going to read it for you John chapter 5 21 for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them even so the son of the son gives life to whom he will did you catch that I'll read it one more time for as the father raises the dead and gives life to them I was dead in my sins and my trespasses and he gave me life that's spiritual life. I was dead in my sins. Even so, the Son gives life to whom He wills. Another one, chapter 6, verse 23. And I'll read it as well. I hope I have this right. No, verse 63. So, chapter 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life now these are the words of Jesus that is written in the book of John who gives life you have physical life right now you have a soul and I would ask you where is your soul going to be in a hundred years do you know you're either going to be in hell or you're going to be in heaven one or the other in a hundred years at the age that we are right now I would ask you to strongly stop and consider these I am statements made by Jesus Jesus is saying there is no other way into the presence of God than by accepting the Lord's death as payment in full for your sins for my sins as Peter said in Acts chapter 4 12 salvation is found in no one else for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which which we must be saved that's a bold statement to make Peter the Apostle Peter is making this statement there is no other way who are you trusting in to save you? Jesus is the only remedy God has provided for man's real sin problem. He is the only way to eternal life. And this is the truth of God's word. So your biggest problem when you die is your sin. What do you do with your sin? What do you do with it today? Do you deny it? Do you justify it? Well, I'm not as bad as she is, or I'm not as bad as he is. Do you make excuses? Do you say, oh, my sins are just mistakes? Well, don't you lie? Don't you steal? Don't you fornicate? Trying to make it sound like everybody does it. Yeah, everyone's a sinner, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the issue still remains, what do you do with your sin now and when you die? Jesus solves the sin problem. When God became flesh, He became man, He took on a human nature. 
He empathizes with you. He knows our needs. He knows our temptations. He says that Jesus was tempted, but he didn't even sin because he's God. You can't fix your sin problem yourself. Jesus fixed my sin problem. Do I still sin? Yes, I do. But I will not die in my sins. He forgave my sins as the east is from the west. My past sins, my now sins, my future sins. And oh, what a relief and what a feeling it is to know that Jesus is my atonement. He died for my sins. Jesus died for the sinners. He says, my sheep hear my voice and they come to me. Do you know him? Are your sins forgiven? In order to know God, you need to know Jesus. Know Jesus, know God. Do your sins need to be forgiven today? Take this to heart as we continue to study God's word together. If you are a Christian, a believer, be encouraged in his word today. God bless until next time.